0: Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbas of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Happy Friday. Hope all is well with you. I am Chad Benson of The Chad Benson Show. Filling in today for Greg Corumbas, who's not feeling uh, uh, all too, too good, but uh, he'll be back uh, sometime uh, next week. Uh, joining us, as always, on Three Martini Lunch is uh, Jim Garrity, National Review. Uh, and we do it as we do it every single time, the good the bad and the crazy. Uh, today, we're going to start with the good, and it is Clarence Thomas, normally the quiet one. He's a silent one on the bench, but uh, he's speaking out, and I kind of like what he's saying.
1: Yeah, it was a terrific uh, speech. Um, it's you know, It was delivered at the uh, University of Notre Dame. Uh, part of Notre Dame. Uh, and he's you know talking about all kinds of stuff that you'd want to hear from a Supreme Court justice. He talked about traveling by a recreational vehicle across the country with his wife, Ginny. But he really kind of talked about uh, the mentality. And I just love this quote here where he says he warned against destroying our institutions because they don't give us what we want when we want it. And I think he kind of really put his finger on this Sensibility. You're mostly seeing it on the left, um, but I think you probably, if you look, you probably could find some similar mentalities on the right where every time um, some decision comes down that we don't like, they think, this is destroying the credibility of the Supreme Court. Well, actually, no, like the job of the Supreme Court is not to make you happy. The job of the Supreme Court is not to come down and, and, you know, give you the answers that you always want, certainly not in the Constitutional Republic. Their job is to look at laws and see if they are in line with the Constitution and what is written on the Constitution. And there are days uh, that, you know, the laws you like are going to line up that way, but if they violate it, they violate it. And it's, you know, that's, what is constitutional is not necessarily uh, the same question of, is this popular or is this a good idea or is this something that would be swell. Um and so he kind of, you know, criticized the coverage of the Supreme Court that basically uh, treated them as if they were basically politicians in robes and that they always come out for their uh, personal beliefs and stuff. And it's, it's, one of the things that's kind of interesting is how much Thomas's comments echo those of Justice Stephen Breyer, um, who has you know, also made similar points. He said that they're not junior league politicians. So, look, I think it's interesting to see. Justices that are appointed by Republican presidents, justices that are appointed by Democratic presidents, all kind of saying, "Like, look, we see our jobs the way you know differently than a politician does." And that's—you uh, may not always like it, but that is our role in this system, and our role is not to basically to cater to you. Um, and you're just going to have to learn to live with it. And the idea—and he didn't, you know, explicitly say this—but I think he observes, you know, adding seats to the court and, and court packing and things like that would effectively destroy the role of the Supreme Court as it is. It would just turn into another, basically a super legislature. Um, and, and so anyway, just a terrific speech. And I think it made important points. And because you don't see, I think you see more speeches and public appearances by Supreme Court justices than you used to. Um, maybe it's not quite as rare as it used to be, but you know, because Thomas isn't, uh, we're not used to seeing this sorts of thing. I think it might kind of get people to sit up and take notice and maybe spread that message uh, to where it needs to be spread.
0: Absolutely. Uh, and and uh, again, I, I love what he said. And, you know, the politics of it all, they're not there for the politics and they're also not there to make people happy. And, and the fact that so many people nowadays and yeah, again, I think you find it more so on the left, but on, on the right as well. It's it's you know, it used to be that thing where even in a go- talking to people nowadays, it's like they want 100 percent. They'd rather have 100 percent of nothing than 70 percent of something. And I've never yeah, and, understood and, and, and that
1: and recognizing. And, what the role is for the legislature and what the role is for the uh, judiciary and, and the duty of legislators to craft their legislation in a way so that it is consistent with the constitution instead of just ignoring it when it just find, they find it inconvenient.
0: Yeah. Yep. And with modern technology and the fact that we can yell at each other in 30 seconds, uh, it makes the what they do, their job more high profile, but it also makes it a situation where we have now turned to them to be, you know, to the all encompassing. I've always said, I think at this moment in time, you know, they're not three co-equal branches. That one branch is a little bit more powerful than everybody else because everything ends up there. Jim everything does if you go out and you 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 pass a law today you know that somebody's going to challenge it and you're just waiting for especially the big ones to end up there I don't know why we just don't start there at this point
1: uh a a, a sad point but probably accurate there Chad.
0: all right it is your three martini lunch that was the good how about some more good moink moink
1: (laughs) you know Chad uh you and I had a chance to talk in a little while you probably didn't know we are having our kitchen redone Uh, They're very quiet today, which is nice, but I basically, you know, Greg and I have been chatting, and you can sometimes hear demolition, jackhammers, and God knows what else. I think they're using nuclear bombs. I think that's the best way to explain the noises I'm dealing with most of the time. So we don't have a stove. We don't have uh, the oven the way we usually do. We're trying to get by in a microwave slow cooker and stuff, but we still have the outdoor grill, and just last weekend, I was, you know, scrambling, trying to figure out, okay, the Wife is out. I got to figure out some way to, you know, get some food. And I realized I had moink stuff that I had defrosted. Uh, They ship it to you frozen, so it's perfectly preserved. And I tossed it on the grill, and I'm like, okay, let's see how this goes. Um, And my fear is when they send you, you know, meat, you know, sent to you frozen, is it going to lose some of the flavor? Is it going to be one of those things where it's okay, but you need to use steak sauce or something like that? Chad, it was fantastic. And all I did was defrost it. I didn't put it in any, I didn't marinate it at all. I just threw it on the grill, cooked fine, perfectly easy. Um, and a, a good steak was had by myself and my sons. And it worked out terrific. I can, you know, they can't make it any easier for you. Moink delivers grass-fed and grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken, and wild-caught Alaskan salmon direct to your door, helping family farms become financially independent outside of big agriculture. Their animals are raised outdoors, their fish swim wild in the ocean, and Moink meat is free of antibiotics, hormones, sugar, and all the other junk you find prepackaged in the meat aisle. You can sign up at moinkbox.com slash martini to get a year of bacon for free and then pick what meats you want delivered in your first box. And you can change what you get each month and you can cancel any time. Moink was founded by an eighth generation farmer who was featured on Shark Tank. Host Kevin O'Leary said it's the best bacon he's ever tasted, and I agree. And Jamie Siminoff, creator of the Ring Video Doorbell, invested in Moink. They guarantee that you will say oink, oink, I'm just so happy I got moinked. So, you can join the moink movement today. Go to moinkbox.com slash martini right now, and listeners to this show get free bacon for a year. That is one year of the best bacon you will ever taste, but it's only for a limited time. Spelled M-O-I-N-K, box.com slash martini. That's moinkbox.com slash
0: martini. Oh. I'm hungry Give me some bacon right now. I'm not going to say no to that. This is your three martini uh, lunch. I am Chad Benson in uh, for Greg this week. Jim Garrity is always still here. We've had you good. Now let's go to the bad. Uh, what's happening in Del Rio underneath the bridge there that grew in seemed like just 72 hours from a few hundred to right around 10,000 and growing Haitians is a humanitarian nightmare but it's also shows again our porous border and there is plenty of issues and and things that we need to uh, dig this thing out of.
1: Yeah, so this is occurring as you mentioned in Del Rio, Texas. There are apparently thousands of Haitian immigrants who haven't come yes. from Haiti. They've actually gotten into Central America and have worked their way up north through Mexico uh believing that they had opportunities to get into the united states so apparently across the rio grande in recent years and they're sleeping outdoors under a border bridge in south texas creating yet another humanitarian emergency and a logistical challenge that U.S. agents describe as unprecedented. Now, this is on top of the concerns people have about uh, an attempt to bring in and resettle more than 60,000 Afghan evacuees. And oh, by the way, the general crisis at the southern border never really went away. The coverage of it went, Ben, if you're looking for a silver lining to this bad martini, it is that the thousands of Haitian migrants um, are serious enough to get this back into the front page. I think this is the uh fourth most read story in the Washington Post today. So, like this is making the immigration issue news again. Uh, but it is worth noting we've seen similar, you know, humanitarian disasters at our border in the last, you know, year or so. And, you know, no matter how much amount of heat the Biden administration never seems to do this, the, uh, to do very much about it certainly isn't willing to change its its policies. The other thing that's I'm finding really um uh, kind of a, an ominous music or, or uh, you know, a significant indicator, Chad, I don't know if you saw this, <clears throat> two high-level figures at the Department of Homeland Security, including, I believe, the entire department's chief of staff, have announced their sudden retirement like in the last week or two. Um, they're, spe- quote-unquote, spending more time with their family. Now, I, nobody thinks this is necessarily a scandal or anything like that. The, the, the general fear is that we've already got our crisis at the border. We've got all these Afghans who, you know, presuming once they're vetted, they really do need to get out of the country. They can't stay in Afghanistan. Most of them are staying in military bases and various refugee camps around the world. Um, and then you've got this, this additional wave of Haitian migrants that basically everybody knows Department of Homeland Security is going to have an absolute disaster in the the months to come and everybody's heading for the exits before they can get blamed. Um, I, I don't know if that's necessarily what's driving these resignations, but, uh, it certainly seems like an ominous one. And, and Chad, you're out there in a border state. Maybe you've got some some other insight on this.
0: You know, a couple of weeks ago, I was, uh, I, I i don't know if you guys know this, I have like 12 radio shows I do. I took a week off and uh, the it was uh, Saturday before Labor Day. I was filling up where I live, uh, Jim, is dead center between Tucson and Phoenix. And the headquarters of the Border Patrol is on the street I live on. So, uh, cause it is literally a two lane highway to get to my little, uh, you know, home area. And I, the border patrol were all filming up, filling up at the gas station. And uh, I said, How you doing, man? He goes, I'm exhausted. I said, That bad? And I said, I said, He goes, Do you really want to know? I said, Sure. He says, What do you hear? And I said, Well, I know it's bad. And, and we touched a little bit about it. And I told him what I did. And he goes, I'll tell you, he goes, We catch 20%, maybe, maybe 30. He goes, it is it is awful and it's horrible. there uh, he goes and not only that, but at least out of the ones that we do catch, probably a quarter of them are people that we have had dealings with and they're just not they're not afraid to come back and forth and and it's he goes, it's a nightmare uh, and it's only getting worse and the fact that we can't do anything about it is frustrating. And you could see it in his eyes that he was he felt beaten down that there's nothing he can do. About what's going on, and he goes, "I can feel for the people. I have an understanding, but I also have a duty and a job to protect our country and to 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 protect the border. And I can't do any of my job at this moment in time. And most of my where I live is all border patrol because I'm out in the middle of nowhere, right there on the border, essentially. And they all kind of feel the same way. They've been they've been this administration has completely handcuffed them, uh, for lack of a better term." And even with the stay in Mexico in place, he goes, enforcement, they're not going to. They're not going to. They already told us, don't enforce it. So what what are you to do? That's a great question. Uh, nobody's interested in it. But, you know, on that second debate, Jim, when he said he's going to give a pathway to citizenship to 11 million people, which we all know is probably closer to 20 million, has rang the, the dinner bell, if you will, for people to say, well, let's get there while the getting's good.
1: Yeah, yeah, the, the just this is one of those weird situations where talking about a policy immediately has a real-world effect. Um because the moment you start discussing an amnesty, people want to make sure they get into, you know, to enjoy the opportunity, and so that by itself drives further movement across our border. Um yeah, just you know, um, I, I I will enjoy or, or you know, let's, let's relish this moment of this brief period where people are actually paying attention to the border, because, you know, by this time next week, they'll move on to some other issue. And, you know, I'm sure AOC will warn something different and that'll be the top story or something like that. You know,
0: yeah, good. yeah it's, it's a sad, sad situation. Uh, but what's not sad <laughs> is the fact that my pillow has my slippers. I actually have. Three pairs of my slippers in a box right behind that they sent out to me right there with this with the beautiful gel inside of it, Jim, and the and the patent and technology with the fill. It is awesome. And you can wear them indoor outdoors.
1: Yes, I was gonna say the uh, you know, you probably heard on these podcasts people talk about my pillow, but now they've done it again with the new my slippers and they took two years to develop to ensure that they are the highest in quality and comfort. And now you can get fifty percent off with a promotional clo- promotional code. These slippers are durable all day. You can wear them indoors and outdoors. They're beautiful leather suede with cozy faux fur linings and a sole that can handle any type of uh, territory you're walking around. They come in moccasin or slip-on style. They're available in a variety of colors, have a 60-day money-back guarantee, and a one-year limited warranty. But now, for a limited time, MyPillow is offering 50% off the my slippers. Go to MyPillow.com and click on Radio Listener Square. Enter promo code MARTINI. Or you can just call 1-800-874-0104. And while you're there, you can take advantage of the deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the Giza Dream bed sheets, the MyPillow mattress topper, and the MyPillow towel sets. You can only save 50% on the new MySlippers, but with the promo code MARTINI. So call 1-800-874-0104 or visit MyPillow.com today.
0: Well, We've had the good, we've had the bad, and how about a little bit of crazy, and as usual, crazy comes in in a weird way, and what do you say about this, about Jen Rubin, about all of, it's the media. Like, what can you say at times about the media?
1: Well, okay, so this, Chad, I'm glad we are ending the week on this uh, martini, because I just needed this. We've covered a lot of... A lot of de- depressing news in the last couple of, of days and weeks with Afghanistan and such. So, the Politico did a profile of Jennifer Rubin, um, and the headline is the Jennifer Rubin White House symbiosis. Right, and the idea or the observation is that uh, if you pay attention to say White House Chief of Staff Ron Klein, he is retweeting Jen Rubin's pieces all the time. It's said like more than three dozen times since mid-May. Uh, the White House press team, Democratic National Committee, State Department, Vice President's office have all promoted various columns and tweets from her, uh, from Jen Rubin in recent weeks. And most people are like, yeah, big, you know, surprise. I'm not surprised, you know. But what's really kind of funny, and what makes this like a a juicy and kind of funny story, is how critical it is, and that basically it sounds like even people who like Biden find Jen Rubin insufferably cheerleading for the administration. Actual administration cheerleaders are like, actually, that column is a little bit over the top. I'm not making this up. Quote, the White House has encouraged outside allies to share some of Rubin's articles online. One told West Wing Playbook, this is the the column in Politico, that they declined to do so because they thought it was just too embarrassing to earnestly share a Rubin column given her history as a conservative, although that was ancient history, although I want to point out Chad, I can remember the days when Jen Rubin was the world's biggest Rudy Giuliani fan back in like, you know, the 2008 presidential campaign. But anyway, quote, continuing the quote, and her perceived tendency to pander to the administration. One Washington Post employee said some people in the newsroom are increasingly frustrated that Jen Rubin is parroting the administration's critiques of the media, which they believe emboldens the administration to push back on journalists even further. Two others say they just try to ignore her or don't read her columns. Um... You know, I'm not surprised. I think what's kind of funny is the degree to which she has gone so over the top and become so predictable and such a North Korean level mandatory enthusiasm in for for the Biden administration in all of her columns that even people who are genuine Biden fans are like, eh, I'm kind of embarrassed. I can't I can't share that. It's kind of ridiculous, you know. Um so I, I found this hilarious and exactly the kind of uh yeah, uh, you know, it's it's kind of nice to see that even fans of Joe Biden see the same Jed Rubin that the rest of us do.
0: Well, and again, it goes back to: Are you an activist? Or are you a reporter? Are you on who's who's paying you? What staff are you on? Are you on their staff? Or and and that's a scary thing because I and, and I understand. Look, media's changed, and in particular, journalists over the years. And I've you know, you're a journalist, and and you you work and and you write and you do great things. But you we know where you're coming from so many other people out there nowadays, it's, it's you, you write one, one paragraph of the who, what, when, how, and why, and the rest of it has to be opinion. Cause it's about sh- shares. It's about likes. And that's sometimes even how some people get paid, but at the same time, it's become activism over journalism. And yeah, some of the stuff that she writes, it's like, did Biden's people write this for you?
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess that's the thing. There's, here's the thing. I can find certain liberal columnists, edifying and useful and kind of indicating and obviously when they criticize the administration even if they're criticizing the administration from the left um it's illuminating it, it kind of says oh okay biden and this team might be in trouble on this one you know there are obviously it's been you know uh very difficult for them to maintain the coalition of you know from the aoc and bernie sanders supporters to the ones that are in kind of more swing districts you know and hearing somebody um from that do when you know that the that basically a Jen Rubin column is going to be like a a Jen Psaki statement, but more enthusiastic, <laughs> less nuanced yeah. than a Jen Psaki statement from the podium. Like, why am I reading this? Why would anyone read this? It? It's kind of you know. Um, I, I do wonder what the value. You, you'd be better off just turning over that space on the Washington Post website or in the in the newspaper over to. Uh, Saki herself. Why? Why do we have? Why is the Washington Post employing someone who is a de facto administration spokesman that even administration spokesmen or their closest allies find uh, kind of cringe-inducing? So uh, you know, it's a good question for the Washington Post. Um, and uh, you know, that's uh, you know, you know, it's it, again, I just kind of reassuring that everybody. Oh, okay, this is good. Everybody else sees the same thing I'm seeing. Yes,
0: yes, they do. They read the same thing. They see the same thing, and they all have the same eye roll. Uh, crazy. Jim Garrity, it is 3 Martini Lunch. I'm Chad Benson. Follow along at Chad Benson's show. Appreciate filling in. I think Greg will be back next week. Uh, if they want to get a hold of you, Jim, if they want to tweet at you, how they do that.
1: It's at Jim Garrity, uh, writing obviously the morning jolt and in the corner oftentimes uh, over at National Review. and uh, Yeah, that's, that's where you can find me.
0: Hope you guys have a great weekend and enjoy your martinis.